Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are live with the Big Red Bench this evening. Rory and Kiram here with you until 7pm talking all things sport and a busy show we have coming our way in the next hour. We're going to talk to Keith Ricken, who was reappointed as Cork Under-20 Footballers boss during the week. We're also going to talk MMA. Cage Warriors is back in Neptune Stadium tonight. The man behind it all, Graham Boyle and Corkman. We spoke, down, we spoke to him, sat down with him in studio this morning to talk about tonight's show, his rise in the sport and how he got started and plenty more besides. That's all coming away between now and 7 o'clock right here on the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. Hey, 086-8104-106 if you want to get in touch with us via text you can uh, tweet us at Big Red Bench if you'd like to get in touch that way and uh, plenty of sport happening today Mr O'Regan it's just as well there is or we'd be in trouble um, <laughs> just to be sitting here just talking <laughs> oh I met Santa today that's what we could have you talked d- about for an hour you did you're pretty delighted about that Santa was in Cork's Red FM today we can't uh, say why yet but he was in uh, Cork's Red FM today he told me I was just about on the nice list and I told him I was a big fan of his work. I really couldn't understand how he made the nice list. I don't know either, but he said it was touch and go, so if I'm a good boy for the rest of the year, I won't be getting a lump of coal for Christmas. Um, yeah, we'll uh, keep in touch with him about that one. Um, yeah, busy enough day, starting with some football. Sheffield United's impressive start to, to life back in the Premier League. That's continued. They came from mm. behind to draw one all at a Spurs moving to fifth in the table. That's a, a pretty good result for them. Uh, yeah, it is. Um, we're going to play the report in just a bit, but uh, be warned, there's going to be a VAR rant for me. VAR, VAR, whatever it is, it should just be put in the bin and consigned to hell from whence it came. I, I have that written uh, in the, <laughs> the running order, actually. Um, elsewhere, uh, Everton secured a vital 2-1 victory at Southampton. That's thanks to goals from Tom Davies and Rick Carlson. Uh, tease the pressure on boss Marco Silva and Roar as well. <laughs> Big Everton fan. Um, well, no, you support everyone but Liverpool, I think. is. Um, the, that's Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, that's the problem there. Um, Elsewhere, Burnley ran out 3-0 winners against West Ham while Newcastle made it three wins in a row after coming from behind to beat Bournemouth two goals to one Chelsea they're up to second thanks to their 2-0 victory over London rivals Crystal Palace Frank Lampard will probably be getting that statue outside Stamford Bridge <laughs> he is flying with them I mean like when Man United beat them 4-0 at the start of the season you're thinking Ole Gunnar yeah. Solskjaer is going to be the better of the two former players being, being managed of what the job he's done with them he's got them playing very nice football and a friend of mine said today he's made Chelsea likeable so I hate him Can like considering he didn't have a whole pile of time in management before Chelsea mm. a bit of time in Derby um, it's it's pretty good for him, really. Yeah, he's doing an incredible job, and uh, look, let's see how long it will last, but I'm sure they're enjoying life at the moment. Yeah, uh, Leicester City, they uh, are in action against Arsenal at the moment. The latest score from that is nil all after 32 minutes. Uh, Cork City, they've confirmed that they've uh, David Harrington and Kean Murphy re-signed for the 2020 mm-hmm. season. Harrington, he's uh, come up from underage structure. He's It's his first pro contract. Both players have come through the, the academy there, as mentioned. Marcus mm-hmm. Sullivan... Pierce Phillips, they've left the club while Kevin O'Connor returns to Preston. And David, uh, son of uh, legendary Cork City goalkeeper Phil Harrington as well, so uh, comes from a very, very good stock indeed. Uh, no surprise we'll see Marcus Sullivan and Kevin O'Connor go. Um, so, look, Neil Fenn's rebuilding job is uh, happening, it's happening, he has to get it done. And it's good to see a lot of... Um, business being concluded so quickly after the season has ended we'll, uh, we'll catch up with Neil again before Christmas and see how he's getting on but yeah he's got a lot of work to do before he starts the season yeah a lot of that uh, happening during the week as well there was um, some others announced as going as well so lots happening yeah there, a, there. yeah. well I think Neil was never shy in saying mm-hmm. that a lot of players would be going out a lot of players were uh, on the transfer list so I was surprised to see Gary Buckley on the PFI transfer list that doesn't mean he's going to leave the club it means he's just on the transfer list and I was hoping Conor McCormick would stay as well he's on the PFI transfer list so look it'll be interesting to see uh, who lines up for uh, City's first game next year. Yeah, in the Munster Senior League, Ringmahan Rangers defeated Middleton 1-0. Danny Long with the goal there for Ringmahan. UCC overcame Douglas Hall, four goals to do. In rugby, Munster, they're currently in action in the Pro 14. They're taking on Ulster at the moment. They have some of the players back from the 
Rugby World Cup um, that we we were following that game on in Thoman Park. Mm. But uh, at the moment, the uh, late, uh, my phone's after going co-op. Co- uh, ah. But at half time, it is uh, Monster Elite 15. Such standards we love in the show. Um, yeah, my phone now. <laughs> um, in the Energy League, uh, almost a very successful day for Cork clubs as a whole. But in Division 1A, Cork Con defeated Dublin University 25-22. Uh, Terran York College defeated UCC 22-14. Highfield had a 14-10 win over Old Belvedere. Dolphin and Ballymena drawing 26 apiece. Very exciting game there. Four tries apiece in that one. Um, Ennis Corthy defeating Sunday as well 24-5. And Middleton losing out to Oma 33-19 was how that finished. In the Munster Senior Cup. Uh, CBC defeated Glensall Abbey 45 to no score in that one a very uh, comprehensive win for uh, CBC in Gaelic Games the Intermediate Hurling Championship semi-final that's taking place this evening Blackrock and Nahabullock they're going head to head and park her in at 7 o'clock the winners play Cladov in next week's final Cladov have been waiting a few weeks uh, for this semi-final to take place because of course St. Mm. Michael's were so successful in the football um, that's kind of put a lot back and uh, Bullock also has a second team in county championship action so uh, there's been l- there's lots of games still to play um, in the, the the Cork GA but anyway uh, there's a number of games happening in the under 21 hurling championship Premier 2 Ballinhasig have defeated Aaron's own 116 to 112 uh, at the moment Carrigaline they're playing St Finbar's the latest score in that is uh, Carrigaline 14 points St Finbar's 2 goals and 6 they're into the second half there in Charleville they're also taking on Valley Rovers at the moment as well on the 4G pitch in uh, Parky Cueve in the under 21A football championship uh, Ballon Collig defeated Air Oak 12 points to 1 goal and 8 a last minute score for the Collig winning that game that game was also supposed to be played a number of months ago even though the other side of the draw was only or is only at the quarter final stage essentially mm. um, mad that the semi-final was to be played months ago when the other side is only at that stage yeah. but um, yeah I think uh, just there was a miscommunication uh, on that the original date but um, anyway they haven't played Ballacolic 1 in the last minute in the under 21B football championship Newcestown have defeated Duarigal Gales 2-11 to 13 points a good win for Newcestown over the Duhallow side there um, up in Mayo seems to Interesting um, scenes. uh, Very interesting. Um, Don't think this has ever happened in Cork, what's going on up there, but... The officers of the Mayo County Committee have uh, been asked to attend a meeting with members of the Connacht Council and the GA Central Council. They've been summoned in the wake of a standoff between the County Board and Mayo's International Supporters Foundation and discussions between Connacht Council and the GA's Director General Tom Ryan. Uh, the Foundation are currently withholding €250,000 in funding after questions were raised over governance and sponsorship issues. Uh, Mayo have been informed that the purpose of the meeting would be to scope the full extent of the issues and to try and find a solution. This happened with uh, Galway as well, with uh, everything going on with their mm. uh, funding. But um, it seems they've had three county board meetings in seven days. That's a lot of county board meetings. A lot of county board meetings. And a journalist went up to the last one, um, I think it was last night, uh, or the night before, and was there for four hours. And Poor guy. Well, yeah, very important. He made he made some videos, um, actually, for Twitter. <laughs> he got so bored. Um but no one would talk after it. Yeah. So all he got was, we'll release a statement. That statement was released an hour later saying that, almost word for word, the county board and county board delegates have had a very good meeting and uh, there'll be another meeting in a few weeks or whatever. Yes, more meetings for the meeting. That'll, that'll solve everything. Anything to be said for another meeting. A very productive four hours yeah. for that journalist. Um, in golf, Shane Lowry's chances of winning the race to Dubai have taken a hit today. The Open champions slipped back to four under par after a three over third round 75 at the Turkish Airlines Open. He's now in the share of 53rd place after 14 shots, uh, or he is 14 shots behind leader Matthias uh, Schwab. Potter Carrington, he's going to be one under into the final round tomorrow. In basketball, plenty of action in the Women's Super League. Father Matthews are travelling to Dublin to take on Colester for a 7.30 tip-off and a uh, Colin, Coughlin, CNS, Neptune go to Moy Cullen and Galway in the men's Super League at the same time. In MMA Roar, I was trying to uh, confirm whether he was taking part in this. He will not confirm. No, me nor deny. Be, well, 
I'd love to, but... Um, well, Cage Warriors... My lack of talent is holding me back, really, and the years of training it takes to step into an octagon. But you other did, than that... You did one of these recently, though. No. You were involved in... I was, uh, yeah, I was involved with the, the Phoenix Wrestling Club. Yeah. I, was, I was the MC for that, and I was the MC for XL MMA last week, but tonight I'm just going to be watching the fights for, for Corksford FM, so we'll have uh, updates on Twitter across the course of the evening. I can definitely see something happening, <laughs> and I've been dragged <laughs> Running. Um, yeah, the Cage Warriors has returned to Neptune Stadium after an eight-year absence tonight. Uh, the amateur card is currently underway the pro prelims underway at 7 perfect time for Roar to get over there mm. and the main card at 9 o'clock best of luck as well to John Mitchell and Jack McGuire who we had in studio last weekend uh, ahead of the pro debuts tonight yeah and uh, finally in racing Magic Wand has collected the first group 1 victory of her career by landing the McKinnon stakes at Flemington the Aidan O'Brien trained filly was running just 4 days after a 10 place finish in the Melbourne Cup uh, Jockey Ryan Moore also hit the mark uh, in Group 3 Queen Elizabeth Stakes he teamed up with the Mid- Willie Mullins' true self those um, horses I know th- 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 there's a lot of training and everything goes into them but they really get to travel the world <laughs> well yeah I mean, 10 day was it 4 days after the Melbourne Cup yeah. back at Flemington not bad it'd work if you can get it I suppose yeah. if you're a horse anyway alright I'm not going to talk about VAR too much but Guy Swindles was at Tottenham and Sheffield United Spurs 1 Sheffield United 1 interesting game in many ways Sheffield United much the best side in the first half Lundstrom hit the post and missed a sitter but Spurs took the lead through Son in the second half back came Sheffield United goal ruled out after four minutes of VAR from McGoldrick unluckily but eventually they did get what they deserved Bulldogs cross ending up in the back of the net to make it Spurs 1, Sheffield United 1. John Lundstrom's toe was offside. His toe, it was like he was a half an inch offside. It took VAR nearly four minutes to arrive at this decision. It is ruining football. I'm sure you saw last week's decision at Liverpool. Yeah. And there was, like... I just scrap it, just throw it in the bin, get rid of it. I don't want it. Good luck. Bye-bye, VAR. But do they need to just... I don't know, rewrite the rules further or something. Um, it's ridiculous. It's annoying me. It's getting me more annoyed every single time I watch the Premier League and I see VAR check come up. Four minutes today nearly for that VAR check. And his toe, toe was offside. Are they just using it too much? They're using like, it to annoy me. I think it's a personal <laughs> campaign just to annoy me. Like, they are, they're using it way too much. Like, uh, you're a referee. I mean, I'd imagine you're in favour of this because anything that assists the referee in making the correct decision, I'd imagine you're on board with. Yeah, but within reason, if you're unsure of a decision, if you make a wrong one, then you live by making a wrong one. But there's also a case, like, say, like, they went back a couple of phases of play as well. I mean, like, Spurs had cleared the ball before um, the, the ball went in. So Lundstrom crossed the ball, it was cleared. And then they went off and scored from that. So they went back a couple of phases. I mean, like, how far back are you going to go to find a minor, minor infringement and chalk off a goal? It's ruining football. Well, yeah, it's just been used way, way, way too much. Um, especially when they go back so far. Um, that, in GA terms, happened, uh, is it close to 10 years now, maybe? Uh, Munster Under-21 Hurling Championship. Clare and Tip. Clare, I think, were on their way to winning uh, their first title in quite a while. Um, they'd got a point to, I think it was to lead the game or something, or to level it, and the umpire put out his hand after the puck out for, that was it, the umpire put out his hand on the puck out, because the keeper had gone outside the square, and Clare had gone down and got a score, but then after the score, it was cancelled because they gave a, a free on the other end because the goalkeeper had gone out. But the play had gone on, is what I'm saying. Yeah. That kind of, you know. Yeah, maybe just pure, maybe just want the game flow. I mean, like, you're a Sheffield United fan, you celebrate your equaliser, then you see the VAR check, and then you see it's it's ruled out for some guys to hold. The FAI are listening, they're going to bring it in for League of Ireland. Oh, God, God, that'd be nice. That's League of Ireland. All right, we're going to talk uh, MMA, and uh, as we're mentioning, um, Cage Warriors back tonight after an eight-year absence. Uh, Cartman Graham Boylan is the man in charge of Europe's biggest MMA promotion. He called into us today and I sat down with him for a lengthy chat. Uh, okay, ahead of uh, Cage Warriors return to court tonight I'm joined by uh, Graham Boylan. Graham, it's great to see you. It's been uh, quite a while since we met, actually. It is. I think it was four years ago since we met. Yeah. Joe Duffy. This has been a long time, yeah. Duffy back here, so... It's, um, it's nice to have the show back and uh, being back in Neptune yesterday watching... 
the Arctic trucks pull up and all the kit being loaded out and uh, seeing it again last night just before uh, they finished working it's the the stadium's looking very pretty mm. How have you found Cork the last few days? Yeah, very good met up with a few boys Thursday night Today's Saturday afternoon. I'm still suffering a little bit, so <laughs> it was. Uh, it's always interesting when you come home and catch up with the lads. The Cork accent coming out a bit more. Do you think it is? It's developing again. Um, You're gonna be saying like no one like in TV. In a way, yeah, yeah I've, been, I've been asked to get the word by and like in as many times as I can on the TV broadcast. So we'll see. We'll see what comes out. <laughs> is there an over under on that? There is. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, we get the prices after that. Um, How is Neptune looking tonight? I mean, it must be great to be back. It's good to be back and it's, it's great to see, um, like when we were here in 20, I think it was 2010 and 2011, mm. we had to really push and educate people about the sport because no one knew what it was. It was uh, it was barbaric, it was this, it was that, it was, this shouldn't be happening. This time round, we've come back and there's a problem in actually trying to hold on to tickets for people. You know, the tickets are just running out the door. Mm. Right now, it's sold out. There are no tickets available online. The only tickets that could become available is what the amateur fighters may return this morning, which, from what I've been told, is not a lot. Mm. You know, so anyone who hasn't got a ticket now, they may get one on the door if they're first in line tonight, but I I would seriously say... You're probably wasting your time. That atmosphere is going to be insane, isn't it? Yeah, it'll be a crazy atmosphere, you know. And we're building a bunch of young Irish talent who are a couple of fights into their amateurs, maybe just about to turn pro. Mm. A couple of guys making their pro debut. So there's a wave of guys where they do right tonight. They may get the cameras and the lights back here three or four times next year, and who knows where they're going to be. 12 months from now There's a couple of guys we're quite excited about in Cork uh, John Mitchell Jack McGuire on the car tonight we had him in the show last weekend they are very exciting fighters and they have a big future ahead of them yeah um, I've heard a lot about them um, I'm looking forward to seeing their performance tonight it's a big show it's it's the type of show where guys who may perform well on smaller level shows and local shows could freeze hmm mm. You know, you're, you're, you're walking into a stage that is no different than the UFC, other than the size of the arena and the volume of what you would experience. Backstage is treated the same. The octagon is the same size. The lights above the octagon are the same. The cameras around the octagon are the same. The walkout is the same. The only difference with Cage Wars and the UFC is you're, you're talking 20,000 people, sometimes 50,000 mm-hmm. people, depending on what they're doing on a UFC. Cage Warriors is anywhere up to three, four, five thousand, depending on the city and the arena. Um, but everything else is the same. So for those fighters, they're going to get a real taste of, you know, um, big play MMA tonight. I think it's like 93 guys, these guys are sent to the UFC. Yeah, we've done 90... 93 guys uh, 93 contracts into the UFC from Cage Warriors um, and hopefully the 7 to get to the centenary <laughs> number there'll be a few Cork boys in there it'd be great to have the Cork boy be a, a Cork boy be number 100 wouldn't it yeah it'll be, a, it'll be a nice icing on the cake maybe that's my retirement day you know <laughs> Cork boys the, the 100 contract with Cage Warriors is a Cork uh, boy sign and you know I can come home and wear my it. head held high <laughs> you know speaking of coming home talk to us about how you got there and how you've got to be like one of the, the, the leading figures of global MMA um, uh, cut a long story short uh, I was brought in to consult and help on the purchase of Cage Warriors. Um, and off the back of that purchase, the people who bought it, um, they came and said, well, we'd like you to run it and build it based off what you did with the MMA Clinic brand mm. and how it was created and built up. So I stepped into that role <coughs> about six months after they purchased it and we rebuilt an organization that was historic in terms of MMA it was one of the longest running organisations it's been going since 2002 but it had had been shelved and there was nothing happening with it mm. when it was bought so um, the owners bought a website name cagewarriors.com um, the the copyright the intellectual property rights of that um, and yeah and from there we built it right up from scratch fighters contracts medicals TV contracts events Management, the whole thing built from there. So it was uh, 20, uh, 2010, and for about four years, it was literally 24-7, seven days of my life. 
you know it was it was non-stop um, while doing the gyms and while doing other stuff so it was a busy time and then I resigned <clears throat> just mainly through burnout in mm. different directions uh, in I think it was February uh, January February 2014 I think and then six months later the people who owned it they weren't going to do anything with us they, they didn't see the visions or there was problems there were what they wanted to do and where they wanted to go so I ended up taking taking over the company and the ownership with, uh, and all the intellectual property rights sat with me then I brought in a new um, board of directors and we built it up from there started back in uh, I think it was 16 I think 16 and how was it changed in your second stint as opposed to your first stint I mean again um, you're still 24-7 hands on all day every day yeah no no so when we came back and when that big press release went out the Cage Warriors is back um, I did a lot of uh, interviews at a time and I explained to everybody the only re- I had retired from the sport I had taken a step back from the sport and the, the organisation of the sport um, and I said the only reason I'm stepping back is to make this bigger than what it was before I'm not mm. coming back just to do the day today and pick up where we left off we're coming back to make it bigger um, and the guys on the the board um, and the, invest, the investors that we brought in the guys on the board they, they helped to do that um, there's now a full team there's like 8 maybe 10 employees working full time as well as consultants the team builds up to anywhere from 70 to 80 people on a weekday or on a, a fight week so the full-time 24-7 chores I used to do to run everything. I used to organise everything from hotels to TV contracts to flights to fighters' contracts to venues to ticketing, uh, you name it. Like, even right down to ordering gloves and hand wraps. It was yeah. all on me for 24, four years. Um, now we have a full team doing that. So that's that. That's what appealed to me coming back to build um, Cage Wars to where it is today. So you had the opportunity to build a focus on that solely as opposed yeah. to ordering gloves basically. Yeah, yeah. Then making sure we had the gloves and the hand wraps and making sure this guy had a hotel and he had a parking <laughs> spot with his hotel because that's what we agreed with him. And You don't miss you know, that, I'd say, do you? I don't miss those days at all. Um, but there was a time when there was just three of us doing that. For four years, there was three of mm. us doing that, you know? Um, and now there's, like I said, there's like 10 full-time people doing that now. It's, it's, a, it's a proper machine now. Mm. Um, tonight's a sellout when you were back in here in 2010, Conor McGregor on the card for, for, for one. It wasn't a sellout, to, to put it kindly. I mean, like, how proud are you to be able to come back to your hometown and put on a sellout card in Neptune Stadium? Yeah, I, <laughs> I spoke to uh, a couple of guys yesterday about this. When we came here for the first time um, back in 2010, um there wasn't many online sales <clears throat> there, were, there wasn't a lot of sales excuse me <clears throat> there wasn't a lot of sales happened online mm. uh, back then and um, it was paper tickets and at 5 o'clock on the day of the show um, I think we had sold like less than 100 tickets <laughs> so uh, I was in, in my head I was like oh what the f*** we don't excuse my language mm-hmm. um, coming back people just it's MMA is not known we're never going to get there mm-hmm. and the doors open at 6 and I stuck my I thought there might be a Cork is a last minute dot com city you know people <laughs> will get their tickets last minute or they'll rock up looking for a ticket or they'll rock up and say come on buy where's the ticket you know mm-hmm. um, so I stuck my head out the door around 10 past 6 and there was 2 or 3 people in the queue to come in I went back in I thought okay you know we'll have probably 150 people here tonight and then I went back out again at half past, uh, half past six, 25 to 7. Um, and there was a queue halfway down the road, mm. you know. I think we finished off with about six, 700 people. Mm. And the, the stadium was half full. Um, it was a good night. It was good fun. Um, but tonight, the atmosphere in there is just going to be electric. I've been in Neptune as a kid um, on the, the big ball games when there was like 2,000 people there. Demons Neptune, then it is. Demons Neptune, you know, Burgland, Mom, whatever it was. And the atmosphere in that place, the acoustics, the noise. It bounces off the It roof. just bounces. And I tell you, it, if we get anywhere near that tonight, it's going to be a special night for Irish MMA. Um, the headliner tonight, Reese McKeel, a lot of talk about him. He could be the next guy to go to the UFC. Yeah, Reese has got all the skills, the attributes to, um, to be that guy. He's leading the charge. Um, as far as I can see amongst Irish uh, pros as tipped to be that guy that could sign next Um, he's got a dangerous fight like we were talking about this fight when we put it on Uh, 
Hakan Foss is a has a resume of fighting, beating, and maybe picking up losses as well on a who's who of European MMA. Mm. He is a dangerous, dangerous guy. He closes distance in lightning speed. He could be two meters from you, and before you know it, you're on your back. You're all cold. You know he can close distance that quick. Uh, exciting striker. Reese has fought some good guys in his career coming up, but this is a big test for him. If he can take out Hacken tonight, um, he goes on to that uh, world title uh, talks. He goes into that circle mm. where he's now in, in those conversations when we're matchmaking. Uh, if Hacken wins tonight, Hacken puts himself back in the mix in the welterweight division. Not so much world title talks, mm. um, but he certainly puts himself back in the mix and at the, the upper end of that welterweight division. Um, you know, we believe it's a good, solid 50-50 fight. Mm-hmm. You know, Hacken's skills um, are more than capable of finishing Reese, And Reese has shown all the abilities to be able to beat Hacken. So we find out tonight around half past ten. Looking forward to it. How hands-on are you with matchmaking or do you just leave it all to, to Ian Dean? Um, so we, we would do, it would be 75% Ian Dean. Um, obviously all the fights that he would do, they would be stamp approved mm-hmm. uh, by myself, but he, he would come to me and go, this fight's happening, you're not stamp approving this, I want it. And I would say, I'll put my hands up and go, fine. Um, are, are there fights where we, are there other events where we may go, I might say to Ian, right, Ian, this is one side of the card, let's come up with your mm-hmm. options for who the opponents is for these guys who are fighting on this card. And then we'd argue between each other um, which opponent and why gets the spot against the guy that we've already mm. penciled in on that event um, but he, he's he's a, he's the guy I believe who's responsible for the majority of the great fights in Europe mm. you know he's a very very talented guy um, he's a backbone of cage warriors and he came in one of those three cardboard boxes that I received when we took over the company you know he was just sitting in the corner of one of those cardboard boxes I picked him up and I said hello what's your name he's like I'm Ian so um, and he's been there since you know he's a pain in the ass at times but you know he's uh, he's got some good wizardry and magic about him in, in the job that he does and I say to him many times over I say you're doing a job that you know it's very rare in the world mm. You know, it's very rare in this world that people have a job that you do. You know, so he obviously loves it because he's stuck with yeah. you. Yeah. Tonight, now, what's your role going to be? You're going to be catching, watching the fights. You're going to be running around doing a hundred other jobs. No, the days for me running around doing a hundred other jobs are gone. Um, those were days in the past. Uh, I used to um, pre this version of Cage Warriors. Uh, I used to be that guy I'd run around I'd be checking every little detail mm. but we have such a strong solid team now and we do so many shows um, it's a well-oiled machine uh, everybody knows what happens there's a person who's in charge of every little detail so my position would be uh, cage side uh, I'll probably have to do some uh, presenting work with Leila on screen Um I'll be there for any serious decisions that need to be made that are out of other people's controls. And other than that, hopefully I'll get to sit back and watch the fights. Are you going to come back to Cork soon? We're looking at next year, yeah. So we've got, we're going to announce that tonight. We've got, um, we've got an Irish uh, schedule that we're putting in place. The scene in Ireland needs an uplift. It does, yeah. You know, it needs an uplift. There are so many clubs in Ireland now and they can't fight anywhere. There's nobody helping them, mm. you know. Um, there's one Cork place. Has stagnated completely. Yeah, there's there's one place where they can all go, and there's only one gym up in Dublin that gets those spots. Uh, so we're going to come in and help the rest of the scene. You know, we're going to be that that promotion, the people's promotion that we have been for many years. You know, everybody loves Cage Warriors. Everybody knows that if guys on Cage Warriors doing well, they go to the UFC. So we're going to come back onto the island, and we're going to do shows up and down the country, and we're going to announce a lot of that tonight on the broadcast. Um, is there a bit of rivalry between yourselves and Bellator? Do you see them coming into Ireland doing shows? <clears throat> so they, they, so Bellator are probably the second, um, the second biggest organization in the states. Mm. You know, they pay big money. They're owned by Viacom. Um, they got endless pockets, and they're burning a lot of Viacom's money. Um, I don't see how they make any kind of money in Europe on the shows that they do. Mm. Um, in the States, it's probably a, a different P&L, it's a different marketing budget. 
uh, is probably seg- uh, separated between what they do in Europe and the Europe series. But the Europe series, um, they do stuff in the UK, they do stuff in Ireland. Now, for competition-wise between us and them, I don't believe that we're competitors. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're in the same industry, the same sector, but we're not competitors because, like I said, the best talent and the best fighters that are coming through that still have the UFC as an end goal and an achievable end goal will come to Gage Warriors. There are no Mm. ifs, buts, any ways about it. The guys who know they're not going to the UFC, the guys who are aware they've got a couple of losses on the record, the UFC is out the window, it may be a longer road for them to get there, they can earn decent money on on, uh, Mm. on Bellator. So they should go to Bellator. We've had a fighter, a Cage Warriors fighter, just this week who's out of contract with us. He's at a 2-2-1 two, two and one record with Cage Warriors. Very hard for him to make that UFC dream happen. Mm. You know? Um, there's a 45-day matching period with us. We could very... He's, he's signed uh, to fight in Bellator in London the same weekend as Cage Warriors uh, next this, the end of this month. We could very easily stop that fight. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like, what's the point? We know the best place for him is Bellator. He can make some money, you know. Um, but there, if we have someone who's four, five, and zero, and they're halfway through the contract, they're staying with Cage Warriors because mm. that UFC dream is available to them. You know, as soon as the door shuts in that UFC dream, then it's about making money. Mm. But if you shut that door when it's potentially open for you and you choose money, you're cutting your career very short. Mm. Because at the end of the day, when you finish fighting. Nine times out of ten, these guys are going to open a gym. They're going to be a coach in the gym. They're going to be a trainer of some sort. Do you want above that gym UFC fighter? Or do you want above that gym Bellator fighter? <laughs> Not <laughs> who, who, who's, who's Who's going to... The average Joe Soap in the street is going to recognize the UFC. Mm. You know? And that's what these the, these guys... They, they, they've got to keep their eyes open on the long road and the short road. You know? Mm. And you take away from that and slip, flip on the other coin you also got to look at is the UFC dream still alive if it's alive stay with it mm. it's your dream it's, it's what you want you know um, if it's not go get the money must be a real source of pride though for you sending those guys to the UFC after such a great career and just having the, kind of the right track I suppose and the right backing behind them yeah it's, it's, it's good for us to know what we're doing works mm. it's good to know we have a winning formula you know we, we put guys on the path they follow the path they get to the end of the path, the goal is there. You know, if they don't get to the end of the path, then there's other options for them. And that's the good thing that the sport has grown now. There is options for them. The fighters have options. So um, I think it's a win-win mm. for fighters, whether you get that UFC tag or whether you end up go getting the money and, and making it somewhere else. And the Irish guys who um, are watching this card tonight see the cage wires are back in Ireland. They now have an option to, to go fight, and not just go to one gym, one, one promotion in Dublin. Yeah, they, they've got they've got big options, man. You know, we're going to have anywhere from three to five shows on the island next year. You know, so we'll be bringing the lights, the trucks, the cameras. Everything's coming back home, and, and these guys are going to get that platform. If you go back to 2010, there are seven or eight guys who fought in cage wires that went to the UFC. Mm. They fought amazingly and they were developed amazingly. They were stepped up in competition every time they fought. They became champions. They got to the UFC. Um, then the sport changed. That was the first wave of Irish UFC fighters. The UFC came to Dublin. You know, the the, the sport catapulted into mainstream um, attention. That hasn't happened since. No. It's gone dead, and it's left a lot of fans, and it's left a vacuum for a lot of fans. Mm-hmm. We're going to come back and build that second wave, and that's going to start with tonight's show. Is it too simple to say it died because you weren't involved? It's probably simple to say that. Um, I also think a lot of other things happened within the industry that stopped a lot of development that other people could have done. Mm. Um, there's a lot of industry politics and that's happening um, that we're keeping a very close eye on. Um, you know, so, but, you know, there's a big show back in town and the big show will do what they need to do to help the guys who need that lift up. Excellent. Looking forward to the next year. Graham, it's been a pleasure having you in. Thank you very much for your time and uh, UFC TV tonight, Fight Pass for the main card, isn't it? Yeah, we'll be on Fight Pass, uh, watch it in Ireland, nine o'clock, and then it's live 
in other TV stations all over the world. It's beamed into 150 million homes across 110 countries. So there'll be a lot of eyes on tonight. Graham, thanks, buddy. Take care. There you have uh, Rory O'Hagan speaking to Graham there, the event that's happening tonight. And uh, Roar is heading over there as well, so we might be able to catch up at Roar on that. Plenty more still to come. We're going to catch up with Keith Ricken, the Cork Under-20 football manager, on his reappointment to the uh, management team, I suppose, manager for the next two years. We talk to Keith next. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Yeah, that podcast will be up in about half an hour's time and uh, plenty to listen back to, uh, including Graham there speaking. Graham Boylan after the Cage Warriors event is returning to Neptune Stadium Roars down there as well. We'll catch up with him shortly uh, also. But right now, uh, Keith Ricken was reappointed as Cork under-20 footballers boss during the week. St. Vincent's clubman has had a successful 2019 after his side won the All-Ireland title, beating Dublin back in August. Ricken has been given a two-year term along with his management team, and I caught up with Keith earlier to chat about that and how the change in structure for the All-Ireland under-20 championship could affect some players. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's always an honour to work with young people. It's always an honour to be asked to work with young people and it's an honour you know, to, to, to work with young people at this level. So from that point of view, yes, we had a very good year last year, obviously. Um, and it was, uh, it was a pleasant surprise to, um, you know, to be asked last year and to do it. And it was lovely again to get the opportunity again this year to do it. Um, I suppose really um, we're in position now for the next two years. So... Um, even though uh, this year and, and last year the, the structure seems to be changed and the timing has seemed to change, which is you know a bit disappointing from our side, you know, from young lads' side, I suppose, that I explained during the summer, but that is uh, the nature of the beast now. But it's lovely to be back anyway. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll touch on that in just a minute. Um, it, pretty much the same backroom team with the exception of one or two. One, I think. Yeah, um, the, the, there's a part of the city with the Cock County Border mm-hmm. to... Um, uh, to have the GDAs working, you know, on, on their own steam and not being involved with county teams, um, you know, it's it's their policy. I suppose I have to respect that. You know, it isn't a, a decision that uh, I mean, you know, I would agree with a hundred percent. You know, um, for sure. But I mean, that is also a policy, and you we must always respect for policy. And it's, it's it's done by the members of the board, for the board, for the best interest of the board. Um, whether we agree with it or not, uh, so we lose Pat. Uh, that was fantastic for us. Like, and um, you know, Pat's uh, contribution last year was unmeasurable. Really, it was ex- he was excellent, and the lads loved him. And uh, you know, the management were mad about him. And what he done, you know, what he brought his energy and you know enthusiasm and, and cuteness. Like, he, he, he obviously, you know, he, he brought that one hundred percent and more. You know, and um, for his family and his wife Noreen and all that, they, they done a pile of work. You know, because it's it's not just the man that goes, like it's the family that goes with him, you know. Um, so we're very grateful for that. And I thought he's disappointed, obviously, not being involved this year, but I mean, we still have his support. Like, he's still, you know, he's yeah, still yeah. he's still one of us. Um, but then we were very lucky to get Barry Cockery, who's um, was involved, you know, on the peripheries of the minors the last few years, and Barry, I know Barry well. And, and Barry has a, a unique skill set as well. And, um, you know, uh, similar to Pat, like, he's very good with young people, you know, understands the understands that type of uh, the person and, you know, what they're going through and all that kind of stuff. And that's important for us, you know. Um, you know, it's not just football people we want, it's, it's people, you know, mm-hmm. and people who understand people. So, yeah, so we're delighted to have Barry back. And, um, yeah, we we hit the ground last night now. It was our first night back. And, uh, you know, the next few weeks now, to, it, it's um, it's going to be kind of hit and miss, like in terms of we have a lot of... Uh, Guys are still finishing off in the minor championships, under the 21 championships, from Cock local yeah. championships. The, the junior championships they finish this weekend, but then there'll be the club uh, provincial championships. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot going on over the next couple of weeks. I'd say that's going to be distractions. So we have freshers and we have freshers competition. Um, and we have uh, Cornelvary and all these uh, school competitions. So it's not going to be as straightforward in relation to trying to identify. Um, and get a panel together, you know, uh, as it was maybe for us last year. But I have to say that, you know, lads are playing games too, and you know, it's always good to see young players playing games and and to see them in the in the in, in the wild, so to speak, where they're you know we're we're watching them play and we're seeing how they are playing with their clubs and their colleges and their schools, you know. And uh, so we'll be to pick a group. We'll be to pick a group. 
for next year on based on farm because we're able to see the farm in. Yeah, um, I imagine you've big numbers back uh, this year and a lot of Miners might have come up through as well after yeah. last year's success. Yeah, you see, uh, yeah, there'll be, you know, I suppose like that kind of mix, like we said, like last year's country, you know, they would go straight onto the seniors and they would make a difference to the seniors and last year's yeah. miners would they make a difference. But there's a year or two there, which is a huge gap, like in developmental stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and it, 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 it's, a, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a year where, uh, you know, 12 months makes a huge difference, like in a guy, you know, so it's not an automatic step up, you know, and, and then also, like, where there's a peak, there's a trough, you know what I mean? So, like, the guy who would have peaked, maybe in the minors or whatever, you know, he might have a small little trough. So it's not necessarily an automatic step up. Um, like, I mean, our, our successful team last year, we were very lucky to win the All-Ireland last year, but when we won the All-Ireland last year, we had one guy mm-hmm. that would have been 18 yeah. on their 24th. And no, and he never came on onto the, uh, on, uh, on the day of the final. Right, so we'd so like because you know, one of the matches nineteen and twenty twenty rolls. So that that the year is a big difference. You know? it, it makes a big difference, and um, so so it's not an automatic to say yeah oh we got all these miners on we'll fire them all in. In the same way for Owen McCarthy's on oh we got all these twenties we're fire them in. It's going to take time, and you, you need patience. And you know, also there's a gap in between. There's a group of good footballers in between that have to be looked at too. You know. So, yeah, so we have a number of guys and we have about, I think about, you know, we went through it there now for the last few months because we, I suppose we were always probably going to take but it had to be ratified and all that. So over the last couple of months we were looking around the matches and stuff and we identified, which is good for Cox, 70 or 80, maybe 80 good footballers around the place, you know, that age group, you know. Yeah, um, it's probably more and, difficult, well, you'll, you'll probably rather have that uh, difficulty in having to narrow down that panel uh, than, than not have to do it down. But like yeah. you mentioned, there's uh, serious talent there. Yeah, there's a lot of, there, a lot of good talent there. They, I suppose disadvantage this year really and, 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 and the pity about the whole thing and you know, we kind of alluded to it there a second ago was you know, the fact now that all this has been done over the real winter months, you know, yeah. of November, December and January, you know, where it's, it's very, very hard to get a clear picture of what a guy can do Mm-hmm. You know, it's a different type of person that plays winter football as opposed to summer football, you know. It's a um, different type of conditions, you know. You've got a lot more obstacles in a way now over the next couple of months. Uh, in, 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 even, say, natural obstacles of weather and getting pitches and availability of places. So, and uh, and even learning and learning environments. Like, you know, you're, you're, if you're playing, if you're training in April and May, you know, it's a different learning environment than you are if you're training in January and February, you know. Um, even the physical environment is different. It's hard to learn when you're in the winter and the cold. And you know, so it's, it's mm. so it's going to be a lot more difficult in terms of development, you know. And I, I thought it was a virtuous, in, like you know, I thought it was a, you know not a great step in, 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 from the association's point of view to be trying to play in uh, this championship and get it done out the way in, in, in February, March, you know. And I mean, last year's championship was a fantastic championship, and I don't think uh, I don't think maybe uh, you know uh, I'm not. Maybe looking at a rose tinted glasses, but I mean, I don't think we 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 affect the domestic championships. We mm-hmm. affect domestic competitions. We left everything on. We we encourage young lads to play with our clubs. You know, uh, we went out to see him play with our clubs. So after playing twenty one championships, we left and played twenty one championships. The other thing is, you know, um, you know, not even the word leave you play. We don't even allow that. To, yeah. to be talked about because you, you are your club you are from your club you know you, you you represent your club so therefore you should play with your club as much as you can but we be mindful of his fellas just playing too much at the same time mm-hmm. but like playing matches oh my god I think that's fantastic and playing club matches and championship matches and you know uh, league matches with your club senior league or whatever it is is nothing but good for a young lad, right? And it's good for the development and it's good for their, their you know and it's, good. it's also good for a young lad to come be in touch with his club you know I worry about this uh, at inter-county level that a young guy comes into a, an inter-county setup and he's away from his club for four or five months. Yeah. Like, that's not good. It's not good for the young fella. It's not good for him uh, personally or physically, emotionally or anything like, you know. He needs to be in touch with his club. He needs to be down with the lads, you know, and his own teammates, the guys who grew up with what's going on, the crack in their dressing rooms as well, as well as ours, you know. So I think that's important. And I've always said that, you know, I mean, uh, but... So last year we had that kind of an open fallacy like where we allowed the players to manage themselves as best they could and they, 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 they decided which was important, you know. Um, and you guided them along the way and you walked the club as well. By and large, I don't think we affected anything last year and we had a very, very positive championship and a very positive outcome. Yeah. Now we're, asking, now we're asking young lads to, you know, they're in the middle of their college or they're pre-leaving search or they're in the middle of pre-leaving search. You know, the hate patch, for example, now mm-hmm. for those who do medicine and stuff like that are in the middle of February next year. We'll have guys doing that. 
Like, you, and you they're were, trying to play under 20 on championship as well on top of all that and then they're asking to travel and we're talking about player Welser yeah like so it, we just, uh, I, I have guys in Galway we have guys in Galway we have guys in Limerick we have guys in Cork right and Cork is such a youth county right you know they'll have to travel 40, 50, 60 miles you know during the week to go to a training session yeah in, in the middle of winter now you know, if I, I'm a parent myself, two children, but you know, and I know I can understand the parents. But I mean, a lot of these guys want to drive. A lot of these guys might have, you know, the novice drivers. You know, a lot of these guys, you know, they have to drive in second-hand, you know, cars or just kind of getting around the place or they're relying on trans, public transport, whatever. The pressure that puts on the, this age group yeah. to try to get them together. And when uh, well, I asked, it was much easier during the summer, you know, you know, the summer months. The, the private roads are better, conditions are better, everything was better. Like I said, the learning environment is better. For me, it just—it's really a backward step. But in, Camaro, in that regard, Keith, where like your position obviously is the GA development officer in CIT. Where were you ever consulted on it? Because this kind of came out of the well. I didn't see it happening. It kind of seems like it came out of the blue that they just decided to 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 change. Yeah, there's twenty-one championships seem to come out of the blue. The, like the, the, the there's always pressure, and there's always been talks about the Sigerson and you know the third-level competitions cutting across and. People look at the Sigerson and uh, third level competitions and think of the Sigerson as it's given. And, you know, well, there are two of the maybe the 18 competitions that the third level has, right? And, you know, and uh, we're constantly kind of trying to explain to people that, you know, despite the, the kind of myths out there that, you know, in, in most Sigerson teams, in, if not all Sigerson teams um, in Ireland at the moment, and if it's given teams and things like that, there are far more non elite players than they are elite players. Right, mm. so you have uh, they have a good team. You see, have a good team. They have five senior the county footballers. That's what it'll be. It's not going to be the twenty-five senior the county footballers. They have five, and they have five more potential senior the county footballers in a few years' time. A couple of lads under twenty. You know, I mean, that's what every good college team would have. So, and the God Cup club players who come in and they train and they can make a Sigerson team or whatever, and and. You know, they have, they have the privilege to say, well, Jesus, you know, I, I played senior football with whoever, do you know what I mean? And so, say, down in UL or in Tralee, for example, you have David Clifford, like, and you've got young lads down in, you know, from Castlehaven playing in Tralee, and you have guys from all over, you know, Munster playing with Tralee, and they're going to say, Jesus, I played with David Clifford, I played football with And that's their, that's their, they're not going to be in the county footballers themselves. So there's a far more non elite than elite, and yet we're trying to cater for the few elite. Mm. And so we, in that, they're trying to play in player welfare. I mean, we stop freshers playing senior football, so they can only play freshers football. So first years can only play in first year teams. And yet, uh, uh, and so for player welfare and player burnout, and you know, we've done that as a third level organisation. And then all of a sudden, the GA come along and try to play, well, okay, we're going to play all these, uh, this, this, I think about 18 or 20 days, the whole this, this, this is going to be over in the mm. middle of January when lads are doing their exams. Like, I don't know. I I I I don't think there's anything malice in it. I don't think there's any you know cynicism. In it. I do think people are genuinely trying to address the issues of you know that that come with the headaches that do come with trying to facilitate players and uh, facilitate games. But that's the headache that we must welcome because you know the big thing, the, the opposite to that is there's no one playing games, yeah. right? Or that the games are, and the experience is poor for people, right? And, and they don't want to be playing games and. You know, in third level, for example, I'm 20 years at third level, so even as thick as I am, I know I, I still kind of think I know about it both now, you know, and, and, and uh, in third level, like, it is the one place that, um, you know, there's no drop-off in third level. Yeah. In, in, in young lesbian teams, but they are in clubs. So they're the same age group in clubs to lose players, left hand over fist from team 20 and 25 as age, fellas pack up. In third level, you know, we, if anything, like we'd have more teams if we could have more competitions, if we could have more facilities, if we could have more money. That's a god's truth, you know. Yeah. So, right. and so they want to play, and they want to get involved, and they want to fundraise, and they want to do all these things that you know maybe young lads when they're back in their own clubs are kind of slow to get involved or are asked to be involved. In. So you've all this very positive energy inside thought of it. It's also the biggest per capita in the world uh, in sporting organisation in colleges, you know. Or head, or you know, it's phenomenal. There's no other organized sporting organization in the world that would have the the, the amount of people that play uh, sport, the dominance of sport, like that dominant sport, and as it is in the Irish colleges, right? And uh, and now all of a sudden, you know, we've all this kind of thing, and they're trying to negative, you know, trying to it gets in the way of. It's a it's a it's a welcome headache. It's a good headache to have, right? 
it's a fantastic. Every, any other sporting organisation or any other political or any other ideological organisation would love to be in the position that the G are in in terms of third level, right? With the dominance of the ladies' football, Camogie, Hollywood football, and all the lads play and want to be involved in it, right? At all levels. Mm. We had a fresher B hurling match the other night, um, you know, an All Ireland qualifying fresher B hurling match. We had 32 lads. That's our second fresher B hurling team. 32 lads out. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. And, you know, we have unlimited substitutions and we try to play as many guys as we possibly can. That's the interest there. That's the second team. There's a first team there as well. You know what I mean? Like, but this is the interest. And if we could have a third team, we probably would, but we just necessarily can't actually physically do it. Yeah. And then they will be the same in most colleges around the place. You know, and we have lads travelling morning, noon, and night, playing matches, going onto buses, and representing our college at night when the classes are finished, going onto beautiful floodlit facilities in different colleges around uh, Munster and playing matches. That is a fantastic thing. That is something that they taught us, you know, 35 years ago when they were there with the appointment of uh, Colin Bonner as the first full time development officer in, in, the, in, in the country in WIT, and it has tall balls since. Yeah. I know they have something successful, I know what they're trying to do with demean the competition in my view no I don't think they're trying to, they're trying to demean it mm-hmm. but what they're doing by directions is demeaning it you know yeah, uh, yeah. Um, Keith uh, speaking there Keith Rickon the manager of the under 20s the Cork team uh, taking on for another two years after this year's very successful year as well so uh, congratulations to Keith and his management team there we're going to bring uh, we're going to put on that in full on the podcast a little bit later on as well but right now we're going to cross over to Neptune Stadium where uh, Rory O'Higgins getting ready for his bout. Yeah, thanks very much indeed, Kieran. Here in the the press room, it's very very loud in Neptune Stadium. As we wait for the uh, pro prelim uh, fights to kick off, uh, Pally Han has just had a vicious knockout win. The courtman beaming in front of me here as uh, he awaits uh, to be interviewed by the media. We'll be hearing from Pat on tomorrow's show. But it's going to be a cracking night at Cage Wars, especially a number of court lads involved tonight as well. We had John Mitchell. He's on the uh, the main card, which has been broadcast after 9pm on uh, UFC Fight Pass. And uh, we have uh, Jack McGuire, who we had uh, in studio as well last week. And it's headlined, of course, by uh, Reese McKee and Hack and Foss, uh, which should be an absolutely cracking bout as well. But Neptune Stadium looking absolutely amazing, Kieran. Atmosphere here is electric. You can probably hear it behind me. The place is buzzing cannot wait cannot wait for this car to kick off uh, should be getting underway in just a couple of minutes yeah perfect uh, Rory O'Hagan there who's up at Neptune Stadium thanks very much for that Roar we will have uh, some sort of reaction to that on the Big Red Bench from 6 tomorrow evening that's about all we have time for on the Big Red Bench the podcast will be up in the next few minutes as well we'll be able to hear that full interview with uh, Graham, who's up at Cage Warriors and also from Keith Rickon as well CVG's up next at the block party until tomorrow chat to you then the Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM